Welcome to Gloss, or the Gorgeous Ladies of Shred and Ski, an ongoing series between Crude and Blower Media. In this episode, I talk with Christina Bertner, better known as Pika, a longtime artist, photographer, and graphic designer in the snowboard industry. Pika grew up watching and studying snowboard videos with the technical eye of an auteur. At 14, she started renting snowboard videos from Fairhaven Bike and Ski in Bellingham, Washington. She would always rewind the videos and return them on time. Fairhaven eventually offered her a job, which is where she worked until she went to college. At 18, she got a photography job at the University of Washington. It came with all the traditional benefits, including a steady paycheck, a 401k, and health care. Because of that job, Pika, alongside her husband Jesse Bertner and Sean Genovese, was able to help create and fund ThinkThank, a snowboard video production company. ThinkThink would go on to create a category of snowboarding that focused on riding urban environments rather than backcountry ones. Pika describes ThinkThink as an ongoing piece of art. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. If you already subscribed to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. For those listeners who aren't, please consider subscribing at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine that's patreon.com slash crude magazine and pick the subscription tier that works for you i want to thank everyone subscribed at the company man tier these are the people who have subscribed to the crude patreon for 50 dollars or more trina duber seward brewing company the grind coffee shop in juno Derek adolph blue and gold board shop sharon liska Alaska Surf Adventure, Aquila Space, and Northern Knives. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Your money and your support make these conversations possible. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. And if you have a chance to rate or review Crude Conversations on Apple Podcasts, please do. Okay, back to Pika Bertner. In 2014, Pika and Jesse had their son, Ollie. In that moment, Pika says that she went from working on ThinkThink to being a mother. It was a transition that caught her by surprise. So in response, she began pursuing things she's always been interested in. She says that as you get older, you feel like there's less room for error, but that it's also important to not be afraid to fail. So here she is, Pika Bertner. This red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work. You said that you've never been interviewed before. No, like never, ever. Seriously, for I don't. I mean, people have asked me what I wanted to order off a menu, but that's about it. <laughs> that's the extent <laughs> of your interviewing. <laughs> Pretty much. So this is exciting for me. So um, I'm honored, but yeah, I'm really curious what you want to know about in my little world. <laughs> Where are you right now? Oh my God, I'm in I'm in Shelton, Washington which is like an old kind of logging town in the middle of 
like, I think it's, it's kind of by the Hood Canal, close to the Olympic National Forest. It's very secluded. I mean, it's like, it's like being in Anchorage in, you know, 2012 when everyone was dressing like it was still like 1995, you know, it's like that, <laughs> like Ed Hardy, like anarchy sunglasses, like Jenko jeans, chain wallets. It's like, I'm back there. I'm here. I'm there. It's like <laughs> I went into a time machine. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Have you seen any Doc Martens? Oh, so many. I think those are back in, though, like in the mainstream, at least with like moms that are trying to like recapture their youth. Has anything that that you've seen, any styles that you've seen that have come back into Vogue, has any of them interested you? Like, how is that back in? Um, You know, I'm so the same. You've known me for a long time and I kind of... I wish some things were back in. Remember those old etnies with the really padded tongues? Yeah. Like, I kind of love those etnies. Like, when are those going to come back in? I, I'm waiting still for some things to come back in style. Like Chad Muska style, like buff, puffy shoes. I'm ready for that. They're not going to look good at all with tight jeans, but those are, <laughs> like, out of style already, so. Osiris D3s. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or globes. <laughs> oh man. Globes. That's right. I feel like shoes have gotten skinnier. They have gotten skinnier. Have people's feet gotten skinnier? Is that what's happening? I think that maybe <laughs> skinnier is just the, the style now. Like pants have gotten skinnier. Um, yeah. Like sweaters. I mean, in yeah, my experience, sweaters. I feel like things started getting skinnier and that became popular when, like, Holden came out. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember that. That was, like, when Cooley shopped in, like, the women's section to buy jeans because he was so ahead of the time with the fashion trends. Like, he wanted the skinniest jeans possible. But, like, t double tall, but really skinny. <laughs> you know, uh, Gus and I would always shop in the the women's section or the I guess I guess it was the girls section like the young girls section at <laughs> JC Penney because because we um we wanted the tight pants with like no <laughs> logos on the back pockets and if you got like yes. dude tight pants back then they were really really like designer expensive and they always had some weird elaborate you know, design of the back pocket. So we started oh, going to so funny <laughs> to JC Penny. Did you buy like Wranglers or something? Like what were the jeans at JC Penny oh, they were in the great. girl section? <laughs> I still think they're great because I mean, I haven't gone Wait, there. Do you still wear no, them I now? Don't. No, I wear, I wear, I wear guy <laughs> Levi pants now. <laughs> oh, okay. See, that's the thing. That's just going to always be classic and in style. For sure. Yeah. Okay, now that we got the important things out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, Carrie, my wife, worked at Wet Seal uh, oh, at, at the Fifth Avenue Mall. And I remember uh, a few times she would give me and Gus a call and be like, hey, we just got a new shipment of pants in. I think you guys might like them. So we went there at least twice, me and Gus. And uh, oh, Carrie... You were waiting at the loading dock for him? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> we showed up and Carrie had you know the pants for us and we just went in the... Went in the um, dressing room and tried them on. You Wait, you and Gus went in the same dressing room? No, different dressing rooms. <laughs> <laughs> what, I'm curious, what size jeans were you and girls? Oh, man. Honestly, I 
you know, I probably still have a pair just because like I'm kind of sentimental. And Aww. so I, I, we might have some at our house. I might, I might check and text you later. Yeah, let me know. I want to <laughs> like your size eight, ten. Probably pretty. Ankle. I might Aww. have been a twelve actually because I liked them a little. I liked them a little uh, baggy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, well, now I know this about you. I will never forget it. I like it. I like knowing these little tidbits. <laughs> so you're out there and you're you're teaching. No, it's not. It's I am here to just paint. I like got this artist residency I applied for and it's just you get to stay in this cool cottage in the middle of the forest and I mean it's beautiful. It looks out over the water and it's just they provide a space for like women artists to write or draw or I don't know paint or make music. It's really cool, actually. It's really rare. It's kind of special. So that's where I am. I'm just making art for a week in Shelton, Washington, while Jesse slaves with single parenthood <laughs> by himself. Well, it sounds amazing. <laughs> I feel like you're outside. I can hear the birds. I am outside. It's like 75 degrees. It's amazing. And this is the one place that had a little bit of internet. <laughs> outside yeah it's outside it's like close to the router or something i don't know <laughs> that's awesome because the cottage is sort of like an offshoot from this main house that the internet comes from the mothership of the internet but <laughs> it's really funny these people like make custom guns it's a really interesting juxtaposition of this custom gun making like mom and pop place and then right across the little country gravel driveway is like this little spiritual female oasis for creativity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it works. So what kind of art are you making out there? I'm making five, because it's only five whole days, five mm -hmm. five by five inch paintings of just whatever I want. And they're just funny painting. I like painting kind of parodies I make these kind of tableaus with toys and like I'm gonna paint I'm half Chinese so one of them just gonna be like a kikomon soy sauce thing and likes to like a Heinz 57 ketchup bottle mm -hmm. with like a like a person wearing like puffy tongue sneakers in the middle like wondering where they identify <laughs> just kidding but I use toys it's like remember those dioramas that you made when you were a kid like out of a shoebox yeah I basically put those together and then light them with weird, like, you know, construction lights and make the shadows all kind of looming. So I kind of make a diorama and mm -hmm. it's like a still life. And then I paint from it. So I create like a little story with toys and like weird packaged looking things. And, you know, I like using old like carnation condensed milk cans and jiffy uh, cornbread boxes because, you know, they're kind of iconic Americana yeah. objects that sort of people relate to without feeling like they have to choose a side or anything. <laughs> so it's kind of like this cosmopolitan of all of these different brands, ideas, and cultures. Yeah, and they just tell us, like, little funny stories. It's like a, it's like a joke in mm -hmm. a painting. Or sometimes they're personal, but they're all... You know, I kind of like art to be sort of accessible and inclusive. I don't want to, like, turn anyone away from it and be like, oh, my God, who wants to look 
had a giant penis in the living room all the time. You know, I don't paint penises or anything. I mean, I don't have anything against penises, just for the record. But I don't paint them. I paint kind of... I like to paint things that make me laugh, I guess. And I think other people seem to like them. But I like this residency because I just get to do whatever I want. Because, mm-hmm. you know, for my job, I paint a lot of stuff or, you know, that... I have to make sure other people like it, <laughs> which I'm good at that. I kind of like that. I don't, I'm not one of those like super selfish artists. That's just like, this is just for me and I'm going to do whatever I want. I like, I mean, I'm doing that right now because I don't know, I'm 40 years old and want to like have little moments like that. Mm-hmm. But in general, I really like graphic design and working with people and making things likable to others. I'm kind of like a people pleaser in that way. I think you kind of have to be in the world of commercial art. But yeah, this is my fine artist, like, coming out here in Shelton, Washington. I'm trying to tap back into that, you know? You know, like, as you get older, you, like, kind of want to sort of remember, like, what you like to do when you were younger and sort of trying to figure it out, right? Are you remembering anything out there? Um, I am, I mean, in general, I, you know, I kind of love just being in the woods. Mm -hmm. Like I'm from Bellingham, Washington, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of that, right? I just walked through this park and there was Frisbee golf happening. And again, kind of like an old timey thing that maybe that's coming back into fashion, but kind of reminds me of my hometown a little bit, just simpler times. So in general, that's like great. It's so nice to wake up in the morning here and just not be so harried and rushed and taken off all the things to do that kind of overwhelms you on a day to day. Mm -hmm. I'm like getting a little free pass for the week and just being able to fart around in the morning and just, God, I like cried yesterday. I walked down this little gravel road. It was so beautiful from the sun was shining through the trees and I had a cup of coffee and I was listening to music and I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh, that's great. It's like the best feeling I can breathe. I just, oh, it felt so good. I was like, it was like the end of Shawshank Redemption, you know? It's like so happy that you cry for the people. I was like having that kind of, I was having a Shawshank Redemption experience yesterday. (laughs) So what do you think was different about that experience that hit you in that way from maybe your everyday life? Oh, man. Well... It's just like, I think it's because, well, COVID is crazy, mm-hmm. first of all. Like, I didn't sign up to be, like, an online teacher for the last year, <laughs> like, helping all with school. I have such a new appreciation for teachers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I think that and, well, how deep do you want to go into this? Because there is, like, a big backstory. We can go as deep as we need. I mean, we have... <laughs> okay time well i think the reason why this is so important to me is as you know i was really involved with jesse's snowboarding career for a long time Mm -hmm. right like we met when we were 18 and then i you know and then with doing graphics for mervin was so awesome and that's been huge but it really is like a job that i have to take seriously and uh and then 
um, as a part of like when Think Tank ended and we had, well, it, I, oh, Jesse would be sad if I ever said that. It's like not ended because it's always been like an art project and art projects never end. Mm -hmm. But since Ollie, I should say, and our efforts have been elsewhere, um, I think I kind of went from like Think Tank to um, motherhood and it was it was actually really hard. Like once I was just like, I just got to wait till Ollie's in kindergarten. And then I will, like, I was so used to working. I always had a job at UW while Think Tank was happening, which mm -hmm. was kind of how Think Tank was able to happen for a long time because <laughs> it had health insurance and everything. But uh, I wanted to work again. I was kind of depressed about it, honestly. I was like, I don't want Ollie to grow up and just be like, oh, my mom just kind of like, cooked and cleaned and did the laundry and drove me around to like soccer practice mm -hmm. you know because I'd grown up and got an art degree and like loved to paint and I like music and and so I was like I'm gonna like I'm gonna get out there and I did manage to wait till Ollie was in kindergarten but I was like so happy to have some time to myself I mean it was pretty funny I was actually like walking around after I dropped him off and was just would walk past one of those like you know like a bar that's maybe open and you're like who the hell goes to a bar at 10 in the morning <laughs> but I was like oh my god I could go to a bar at 10 in the morning <laughs> I don't have to like you know make spaghettios right now and so I actually walked into one of the old places I used to go into when I was like 21 right it was called the it's called the sloop and the same bartenders all worked there from when I was like a kid. Uh -huh. And one of the, my big dreams when I was a kid was I wanted to get really good at playing pool and like have a motorcycle and be like Minnesota fats and like a pool shark. So I was like, I'm going to take this time to like get good at pool. My lifelong dream of being like a pool <laughs> shark. <laughs> and so I started going to the sloop like right after I took Ollie to school. So I just was like, oh my God. So let's like, this is just a year ago <laughs> and uh and i'd like to say i got pretty good at pool but what ended up happening was the bartender asked if i wanted to work there and i had never been i've never been a bartender in my entire life and uh but you know you know i work at the fair every summer in alaska and so yeah. i he, they, he was like, have you ever worked, can you deal with drunk people? And I was like, I'm a carny at the Alaska State Fair. <laughs> I can deal with drunk people and crazy people and like, you know, every kind of person goes to that fair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, so I started to like have a Sunday night shift and it's kind of like how Stella got her groove back. This is like how I kind of started to redefine myself because I became like a bar ten like a bartender when I was you know 40 years old at a dive bar in Seattle <laughs> but it was so great yeah it sounds I loved great it I mean like you know you have your job and you're like really good at it but don't you ever want to do something totally weird <laughs> I think so yeah I think that as I get older and um I can feel myself needing new projects or, or projects that require like different skills that requires me to learn different skills. Well, that's great. That's like how you keep an old job interesting. Mm -hmm. But I mean, 
does the expectation of getting better and better sometimes stress you out? And you're like, I just want to start something new where there's like no expectations and I can just learn something completely random. <laughs> you know, actually, uh, yeah, to that point, I, I recently picked up a book on quantum physics and it is so crazy and confusing and um, it's... Is this like up quarks and down quarks and dark matter and things? I mean, like I said, it's all very confusing. And I I, I did like kind of a, a number of different Google searches to find like the one that was a good entry level for me. Because I am just, you know, when it comes to that stuff, I know nothing. So I, I need like... I don't think anyone knows anything about it without Google Googling it. <laughs> <laughs> so in that way, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. You know, I, I think uh, that... This whole quantum physics thing, you know, once you get down to like the molecular level, like atoms and things like that and quarks. I like how you're going into quantum physics and I wanted to like learn how to pull a pint. <laughs> you know what though is I <laughs> love a bars. Foamy head. I love bars and I love cafes. So uh, maybe after I'm done with quantum physics, I'll, I'll go in that one direction. Yeah. Moonlight is a bartender for a few months. It's great. <laughs> I wonder if that if that draw for you is having done so much in the snowboard industry and gotten to that, like that level, that pinnacle level. And then now maybe you want to start at the beginning in something. Maybe, you know, I always kind of joke. I'm kind of Benjamin Buttony. Like I do things in reverse, you know, like Jesse and I met when we were like 18. We've been married for a really long time. It's like I had, you know, like I'm kind of an old soul with that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when I was right out of um, high school, I basically got a job at the University of Washington as a like a photography assistant. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> and I had that job for 13 years at UW mm -hmm. from the time I was 18 to 30 or maybe 19, I think 18, no, maybe 19 to 32. And you know, it's this job with like a pension and so funny. So I feel like I've had that job and I, you know, I got, I don't want to have another job like that. Mm -hmm. I don't think I want to work for the man. I mean, that is like working for the man, like a state job, you know, and you have like a million supervisors and tons of bureaucracy. It was great. And I liked I loved my boss. Like, mm -hmm. I was so lucky. Her name's Nancy Hines, and she was, like, the best photography mentor. Like, she's, like, the MacGyver of photography. She's amazing. Like, the kind of person that you don't... She doesn't even have to go to the camera store. Like, she's making her own reflectors and gels and little ways to keep, I don't know, polarizing filters in the right places. Like, out of duct tape and... TV trays. <laughs> Just MacGyver. <laughs> yeah, she like was the MacGyver of photography. And I feel so lucky that she taught me everything I know. And which came in handy with Think Think too, because we had like all the equipment and we had like every newest version of Photoshop and the computers. I mean, her supervisors would not have allowed us to use it in that way, but she was always down for the costs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, I do things in reverse. I had like the pension job when I was 18. And now I'm trying to like make little mistakes that you should make when you're 18. Like 
not that being a bartender is a mistake, but, you know, just trying new things and not being afraid to fail, yeah. right? When you get older, you feel like there's kind of more on the line. Like if you have a mortgage or something, you feel like you're tied to your job and the security of it. Mm -hmm. But I'm starting to feel like now I'm getting so much older. It's like you only live once. Like shit. Like I've turned the corner. It's like time to like apply for an art residency and just see what happens. Yeah. Go to the woods. <laughs> yeah. Go to the woods. Every good thing comes out of the woods. I think John Muir had like the right idea or Walden Pond guy. Yeah, Thoreau. Yeah, Thoreau. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you say Thoreau? <laughs> I think I, I think might have by accident. <laughs> <laughs> like Diag Diagon Alley, diagonally. <laughs> you put the emphasis and <laughs> the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you better stick with quantum physics there, buddy. <laughs> so in our conversations leading up to this podcast, I asked if you had anything in specific you'd like to talk about. And you mentioned how you were really into watching snowboard videos before you met your husband, Jesse. <laughs> yes. Why did you want to talk about that? Well, you know, it's funny. I sometimes... I just think it's kind of a funny special thing. Like Jesse and I were young kids and we um, had so much in common. You ever, I mean, now it's funny thinking back on it because there's, um, there's uh, you know, you're like, oh, what, what kind of music do you like? And every, you say, oh, the Pixies or something. Oh my God, I love the Pixies. Mm -hmm. Like who the fuck doesn't like the Pixies, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but then when Jesse and I met, you know, we were like, weirdly so imagine this too like i had just turned 18 like a it was like less than a month after my 18th birthday jesse was 19 and we're in bellingham and you know he's wearing like a four star shirt but i'd never heard of it mm -hmm. i called it four square <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i'd been working at like this bike and snowboard shop and i was so bellingham you know i had like khaki cargo pants and a fleece vest and Timberland hiking boots you know we look like he's a skater guy and I just look like a crunchy granola Bellingham girl <laughs> and um I had never gone to a keg before a kegger party and um I had an older brother who was very overprotective of me in high school so I could kind of go to them once in a while but he'd never let me drink mm -hmm. and it was Jesse's best friend Jeremiah's birthday and uh, my neighbors knew Sarah Taylor, right? Mm, she yeah. lived with Jesse. And um, they were like, you should come to this party. And I was like, I don't know, keggers. I just got in a fight with my buddy and just wanted to mope around. And they, But they dragged me to this party. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm at a, my first real kegger. I can get a red cup and drink out of a keg. Mm -hmm. And I got a little drunk, actually. And um, Jesse was there, and I kept calling him Four Square, and he was just like, it says Four Star, can't you read? Like, he didn't say that, but he was kind of annoyed. Like, you know, Jesse never drank. I mean, he still hardly drinks. Mm -hmm. And um, so, of course, I was like the dumb, drunk girl. But then, uh, you know, we started talking about stuff. And it <laughs> I can't believe that he even wanted to talk to me at this point because I was like even smoking a cigarette which even I thought was gross <laughs> I was just getting into it yeah. my first like big college party but you know it like it wouldn't be even the first day we met it went beyond 
um, like, oh, what kind of music do you like? You know, we were talking already about like, um, like, oh, what movies do you like? And I was like, oh, I just saw this movie Bottle Rocket, you mm-hmm. know, by this guy named Wes Anderson. And like back then it was not too many people knew about Wes Anderson. And I really liked this guy named Hal Hartley. And then Jesse was talking about Jim Jarmusch and David Lynch and Stanley Kubrick. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about how I just watched The Rope and how there's like only like two cuts in the whole movie. And you can't even see them because they're edited like so seamlessly. And then, you know, I didn't like look like a snowboarder or anything. But, you know, he I knew what four square was. And we started to talk about snowboarding. And I'd grown up in Bellingham. So, of course, like... And I worked at the bike and mountain, um, the bike and mountain sports. So I was going to call it because it's called Fairview Bike and Mountain Sports. <laughs> but you know, I was telling him how I, you know, got a job there because I watched so many snowboard videos. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Oh my God, I make snowboard videos." And I was like, "Oh, like you film yourself?" And it's like, "Yeah." And of course, this is all. I thought it was so cool that this guy was so into something that he was like making movies about it. I mean, I like to watch them but I wasn't really making them but I thought it was awesome and uh and we were talking about snowboard movies you know like Pocahontas and Critical Condition and stuff yeah (laughs) but it was funny how much we had in common from the very beginning it was so and we hung out every single day pretty much after that we were just like totally I don't know we just liked to talk about stuff and go on adventures and it was fun but yeah I feel like pretty stoked you know back then too I also like was I mean everyone loved Jamie Lynn but I like really loved Jamie Lynn yeah I freaking guy was obsessed with him I had his posters in my room and in my locker and you know I like watching all the movies that he was in and um I got a North Face jacket (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I had to work really hard for that North Face jacket at a like an Orange Julius that my mom, well, my mom owned it, but I had to work for the jacket. And didn't you, you, you broke your collarbone oh chasing gosh. down yes. Jamie Lynn? I did. I did. I just lost my mind. I saw that baby blue North Face jacket and you can spot him from a mile away, you know, at the Mount Baker Bank Slalom. Uh-huh. And he just sped past me and I was just like... I just lost my mind. I just thought I would try to snowboard right after him. But of course, he's who he is. And I was just like a 15-year-old, totally not super good snowboarder. And, you know, he just flying through like these little funny, you know, um, to the lookers left side of the bank slalom course. Like during that time, it can get like a little rutted out. And I just hit one of those like little kind of mogly ruts and caught my edge and broke my collarbone <laughs> while chasing after him and uh it was funny I got to tell him that story of like 10 years ago or something and he was like sorry <laughs> <laughs> that was his reaction yeah <laughs> I kind of like crooked smile like the bad boy crooked smile thing he's so good at doing but yeah, so I bought a LibTech snowboard when I was, you know, in the early 90s. It was a Acme. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so funny like to think now that I make graphics for LibTech, you know, it's such an honor. So just how it all worked out. Like I love snowboard movies and I 
made them for many years and I loved Jamie Lynn and LibTech when I was like, oh God, maybe 14 or 13 years old and now I make graphics for them and it's funny how things work out when you just do what you, keep doing what you like to do. And you've been working at LibTech, LibTech as an artist for over 10 years now, right? I have, and I'm actually I don't I don't get like a paycheck from Mervin. I'm like a contractor. Okay. I I do freelance stuff, but I'm like you know, but I've done it for them for yeah, well, I think maybe since two thousand seven or eight actually, so more than ten years now. How has that job stayed the same or changed over the years? Oh my God. That's a funny question in some ways. Well, I think one thing is, you know, Jesse has kept snowboarding for so long and it's been such a big part of LibTech. It's because, you know, I mostly do his graphics. So that keeps it consistent when I like do the box knife and box scratcher every year. Mm -hmm. It's like Jesse's like a freaking machine (laughs) (laughs) for real. He is. Yeah. Do you know anyone that's as like consistent and tenacious as Jesse Bertner? And he's so positive, too. <laughs> he is. He's amazing. But this is going to be the last year he puts his name on those boards. And I'll keep doing them. I think he's getting, you know, it's hard to keep keep up that pace. Poor guy. He, he needs to take a little, he needs to rest his kneecaps. <laughs> For sure. He's <laughs> <laughs> like one footer. So Man, yeah, he's he needs to get a knee replacement, like, hope sooner than later I think do you feel like it's been difficult or maybe it hasn't been difficult to have a career in snowboarding viewed as independent of Jesse's career in snowboarding oh for sure I mean I guess that is one reason why I do like to say that I was into snowboard movies before I met Jesse right like mm-hmm. I was who I was before I met Jesse And I think in most relationships, right, like even outside of, if you even, you know, outside of that dynamic, you you like want to have independence Mm -hmm. from your spouse, right? Like if if you worked in a bank and your husband was the manager or something, you wouldn't want people to be like, you'd want to get there on your own merits, you know? And I think one thing about Jesse and I, and if you know us, right, you know, like we're pretty different. We have different skills. Like he's much like big picture thinking and like, you know, he's like a visionary really. And I like really get stuck in the weeds. Like I have binders. I get into the technicalities of things. I like a, a designer. I like to push pixels. So we're kind of a good team really. And um, so I don't know. I like to think that I bring my own my own (laughs) dynamite to the (laughs) the explosion (laughs) to the explosion yeah like we'd like to make things and he does it his way and I do it my way and we just work well together but you know we can't even talk about this without mentioning Geno Mm because Sean Genovese you know it was really like Jesse and Sean and I that started Think Think in a lot of ways and um yeah and he was there like god He's the best. Yeah, like, from the really, beginning. Oh, yeah. Even before the beginning. Remember, he was like in J.B. Deuce, <laughs> the, Can- the Canadian guy in J.B. Deuce movies. He's like all Alaskans and then Jeno. <laughs> and everyone thought that he was Alaskan. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it was probably because of the tongue ring and the like, 
<laughs> and the Doc Remember Martens. In the Doc. No, he didn't wear Doc. Of course Martins. he didn't. <laughs> You know, I read that the Think Think logo was the first logo that you ever designed. I did. And I don't want to take all the credit because, you know, Woody, uh, Gus's brother, mm-hmm. he um, kind of, he did like the first version of like the the writing, the Think Think. It was, but it was like an upside down eye and stuff. And it was just Think Think, you know, mm-hmm. like without anything else. But then I like kind of reworked it and then made the brain thought bubble part of it yeah and that was the first logo I really ever made but it was really yeah I'm pretty like proud of that actually none of us knew what we were doing we were all just making it up did you ever think that it would be as recognizable as it is now (laughs) oh my god is it recognizable now (laughs) oh for sure yeah uh I definitely did not think that I mean I have to really tell you, it was, it's always been about like making kind of like a piece of art. Like we always like watching movies and making, and Jesse liked to make movies. And then I got interested in making them and film, you know, I've always been, I've been a photographer for a long time and, and uh, yeah, just doing, doing it seemed like such a privilege and then when people started to pay a couple bucks to do it we were like whoa mm-hmm. like Riptech's gonna give us like three thousand dollars that's amazing and then um but you know we just did everything really local right it was like mount baker alaska um maybe i don't know a little bit at stevens or something mm-hmm. um but then it was so funny we <laughs> The very first Think Think trip we took outside of the country was to um, to the Arlberg in Austria. And, you know, for us, it was a big deal. Like, we did not have much money. And I remember that year, it wasn't super good snowfall there. So even people who'd already planned on going were kind of like, oh, no, we're going to go to where, like, there's way more snow instead and this and that. And we're like, oh, we can't do that. Like, changing tickets costs, like, $100. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. We got to, like, stick to this plan. And we were really glad we all did because uh, it ended up dumping snow when we were there. It was, like, mm. scary. Like, we didn't even know what to do with that much snow. <laughs> But I remember a Mac dog was filming there at the same time, like Brad Kramer. And he was there with like UC Oxenon and DCP. And it was like everywhere we went, they were there. It was like (laughs) the weirdest. And we were like the very bottom of the totem pole and they're at the very top of it. And, um, And they were always like symbolically higher than us too. Like we would all kind of run out of gas and like hike to some gully and then up above in this beautiful rocky cliff outcropping there, they'd be like dropping giant sketchy cliffs. (laughs) And we were just like, you know, doing funny one footers over like a gully, like way, like almost right off of the street. (laughs) (laughs) But on the very first day we were there, Sean's camera broke. And so I was always kind of the second angle person. Mm-hmm. So when Sean's camera broke, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, now it's all up to me. <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of prior to that, I had sort of just kind of like went to wherever they told me to go and push the, you know, push the record button or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I hadn't really been like the primary filmer, honestly. I just kind of 
I got to be the, like, the artsy angle or, you know, the long lens or, right? It was kind of fun. And, but so I'm like the only filmer and you know how much work goes into building the jumps and then they're risking life and limb to huck off of them. So I'm like, I do not want to fuck up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm got the tripod set up. I'm filming. Um, and, uh, Brad Kramer is right next to me. Like, but he's like pointing up at the cliffs and I'm like pointing down at the gully <laughs> and, uh, my video camera, like the tape ran out like the db tape ended and i didn't know like where the other tapes were and i just was like kind of nervous because brad kramer is right next to me and this is my first time like being the only filmer and i was like jesse <laughs> i'm trying to yell at him quietly like <laughs> where are the tapes <laughs> where's the tape where did the tape go? And Brad Kramer just like looks down. He's like laughing. Just like, oh my God, you guys are so funny. You know, it's like he's a, he has a 16 millimeter camera and it's so funny. I'll never forget that. It was just one of those moments where I just thought, wow, I got like, I got to, I got to up my game here. <laughs> but it was also what we are too, right? We're just having fun and filming each other and just friends. So at the same time, it's like, not as much pressure to know where the tape is. Was there any point where, you know, you're two years ahead of that, 10 years looking back and you reflect on that moment and think like, oh man, we, we've come so far. Oh yeah, I do. I do think that. I mean, that was Patrick Pattern's year. And I remember one of the Actually, one of the big moments of that year was that summer at High Cascade. Um, um, Travis Parker came over and, you know, he was always, I don't know, God, he's like such a cool guy. And mm-hmm. he like told us like he really loved Patrick Patterns. And he gave me this funny rollerblade keychain. And um, I thought that was like maybe one of the coolest moments, you know, like kind of seem a validating by like because it was like by travis parker yeah i mean it doesn't get much better than that (laughs) you know what i mean oh for sure yeah he's one of my all-time favorite snowboarders oh right i know he's so good and then i really have to say um you know think think for the longest time i i almost felt like the, the bigger mainstream kind of (laughs) publications almost like wanted to refuse that we existed (laughs) really (laughs) kind of yeah but you know we're just kind of talked down about it like it was like just an am movie or something so that was always kind of stung a little bit but i think for the most part it was just we always tried to stick to just what we wanted to do so if other people wanted to say whatever they thought it was they can they can do that so looking back now, do you think that people have kind of eaten their words? Well, I think that, you know, maybe the people who at the time thought that will always think that because they were kind of always at the higher level than us in whatever way, you know, maybe they made more money or were in the more established film companies. But I think a lot of the people who are coming up, 
like the n- newer generations, I think they appreciated what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now those are the people who are running shit. Exactly. So yeah. I think that's pretty cool. So I think in that way, it's meant something like in a, I don't know, to address that question that I think that thought changed. And I also think that luckily kind of during that time, you know, we didn't have a lot of money and we weren't able to like buy helicopter time or snow cats and Jesse always called it like recessionary snowboarding recession proof snowboarding mm-hmm. like I think that resonated with a lot of people that maybe hadn't experienced that before like thought that they could do it mm-hmm. you know Jesse was always like if you have a shovel and a patch of snow and something to jib on like of course the cone became like think thanks sort of symbolic thing to jib on but it could be anything obviously like a picnic table or a park bench or a like a garbage can lid or whatever but it's like you just need your imagination some good buddies some a little tiny patch of snow and you got this and I just I don't know I have to think that that's just a good place to come from and people I think some like midwest kids and mm-hmm. I don't know maybe some more marginalized snowboarders might have thought oh hey I can do this and you don't need a car and a bunch of gas money and a lift ticket or a snowcat or a, like a sled see I called it a sled not a snow machine or a snow machine well I almost called it a snowmobile and then you never would talk to me ever again <laughs> you know something really important that I think 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 did is it opened up the accessibility of snowboarding so to your yes. point about not having to afford you know, the heli time or the gas or any of those other things that just add more money onto an already Ugh. expensive sport. Exactly. All you needed was really the snowboard, the bindings and the boots because you could yes. you could buy a pair of jeans or you could just wear your your jeans and just a jacket. Yes, absolutely. I know. And I still, you know, to this day... I mean, of course, I've had some favorite moments, like, you know, when you get a good powder day. But man, like, how much fun. I mean, there's a reason why people like to tailgate, you know? It's yeah. just fun. Like, it's so fun just to have, like, a parking lot session or, you know, just side country or, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of conducive to getting shit done, but also, like, I don't know, to just being able to, it's not you know, God, so serious, maybe mm-hmm. people can kind of, it's like the difference between going to like a fancy tie dress up dinner and just going to like, I don't know, like a fish fry. Mm-hmm. We're like the fish fry people. Just fun. Good times. God, really, I would never trade those years for anything. God, seriously. So fun. Whereas, you know, if it was really stressful and you're like, oh, that wasn't, you know, that we can't use that because, I don't know, there's like too many shovels in the background. Mm-hmm. Clear the set, dudes. I don't know. We were never like that. I mean, we kind of were, but not really. It was just a part of the story, you know? Like, it was pretty darn genuine. Like, we weren't really curating anything. It was just happening. And it was so fun. Seriously, I like can't tell you enough how much fun we all had. I think even, you know, sometimes people left Think Think and they went to different videos and, you know, they're always like 
telling us that I just miss those times. You know, it was so fun with Think Think, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. But of course, they had to do new things. Right? We already just talked about that. It's like being a bartender at the Slough. Yeah. Or quantum physics. You got to keep moving, keep doing new things and keeping it interesting. So there is that balance, right? Well, I also think that there is authenticity in imperfection. Oh, absolutely. In fact, that you just hit the nail on the head. You know, Think Think style came so much out of our own, like, inabilities to do other things. You know, like, none of us were super good at, um, I don't know, technical things with, <laughs> I don't know, like, uh, after effects or anything. So it's all kind of analog. Mm -hmm. It came out of our limitations, you know, how, what do they say? necessity is the mother of invention you know yeah like yeah we definitely just had to work within our 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 own create our own imaginations because <laughs> we kind of lacked a lot in you know fancy editing software and i don't know big budgets and whatnot it was like very lo-fi mm -hmm. <laughs> so i guess it's hard to fake <laughs> <laughs> And maybe it's charming for it. It's like you just don't, when you don't take yourself so seriously, you know, it's like more welcoming. <laughs> well, I think so, yeah. And like I said earlier about the accessibility, I think that, you know, having been raised in Alaska, looking at something like Heli Time and being like, you know, I, I can't afford that. And if I can't afford it, I have to plan for that moment but that's not how i ever snowboarded i always snowboarded like i need to go a couple times a week at least you know and unless you're a baller you can't you know take a heli a couple times a week oh right i know can you imagine and then it takes like a lot of planning and stuff and think think was definitely kind of fly by the city your pants like even if we had a plan it just like was kind of dissolved instantly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah maybe that was a part of it too we were all kind of like fly by the seat of your pant people and what's going on with think think now well um yeah scott and jesse worked really hard on Susie greenberg and that was kind of a triumph and uh, i did the cover of that movie you know the like green day sort of inspired cover mm -hmm. and um so I think, you know that that took three years to film? That was, I don't know how people do that, honestly. It kind of like destroyed us. <laughs> In what way? Well, I don't know. Like we had a newborn baby and Jesse had like a kind of, you know, a full-time job because, you know, he's a marketing director for Mervyn now. Mm -hmm. And then um, Scott was like hurt for like he was trying to recover, but like trying to film and like getting hurt and I don't know, like destroyed in that kind of way. Like we were all really busy and then trying to, they were working really hard on it and it took three years. It's like three years to commit to like a big project like that, that you really want to make be good. It like kind of takes it out of you. So I think everyone's kind of recovering from it still. <laughs> but I think, um, think think is just, you know, like, it's always going to be there. If anyone wants to, well, remember Ted did Falling Leaf? 
um, he like took over Think Tank for a while and used it as like a platform for his um, baby. And then he became like the filmer for Snowboarder and did all the Snowboarder movies. But yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's a bastion still for people who want to use it to have a, have a, if they have a message they want to convey. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of the beauty of it. It's like, can, it'll always exist. And God, you know, it's funny. We still get people who order DVDs and buy them on, on, on Apple, on iTunes. And it's interesting. Yeah, it's still, still got some love. But yeah, it's still, the website's still up. Somebody tried to scam us the other day with it, though. They were like, your subscription is lapsed and put your credit card in here immediately. I'm so discombobulated, I like almost did it just out of, because my brain cells aren't firing <laughs> anymore. But it was one of those things, you know. Yeah. It's not real. <laughs> like, you just ignore them. I, like, clicked on the thing and was like, wait a second. It's called <laughs> Sweebly instead of Weebly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, but it's still, yeah, Think Think. I know, sorry, I wish I had more interesting news about Think Think. But it's like, it's in hibernation mode. Has that transition been hard to let go of or even relinquish some control over the direction of something you've put so much time and energy into? No. In fact, I think that's the beauty of Think Think. You know, Sean Lucy took it over basically completely for like the last three movies. And it was like, so welcome you know that's like what you have to do with something as kind of organic and vibrant and alive as snowboarding you know where you want new fun crazy stuff happening you know you can't just be like the old 40 somebody year old person like trying to be like a kid we're not cody we're not kids anymore (laughs) (laughs) i believe you (laughs) well you might be how old are you 33 oh you are kid oh my god (laughs) you're gonna be perpetually like youthful i think of you still as like a nine-year-old really (laughs) no well more and more you're i see you as like a a man and not like a boy shopping for girls jeans at jc penny see i used it already (laughs) (laughs) well i wish that i had my uh my head of hair still that would be beautiful from oh, nine did years you old. Lose your hair? It's going. It is. It's on its way out. <laughs> oh. Well, women like we just scoff. Like men are just worried about losing their hair. Boy, if you only knew what women have to go through. God, just like so many body changes. It's like scary. <laughs> I feel like I want to say something to that, but I just don't know what it is. <laughs> like I should. I should have a response at the ready. Well, one thing that was remarkable to me is like a woman who likes to snowboard. And there are a lot of women's, or more, I don't want to say a lot, but there are more and more company that make great women's clothes. But guess what? Hmm. I had a hell of a time finding like maternity snow pants. (laughs) So for all the women who are trying to fight for equal pay and rights and stuff, let's just say we also need to fight for letting women still be able to snowboard when they're like safely able to while pregnant Mm -hmm. 
maybe that's why. Maybe they don't want to encourage pregnant snowboarding. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but Air Blaster hooked me up with some like high-waisted elastic pants, and they were great. Like, they were dude pants, but they were awesome. They were like, I'm pretty sure they were designed after maternity pants. So thanks, Max Tokunaga, for letting me keep snowboarding while pregnant. How many women would you say are involved in the snowboard industry on the creative or production level? Oh, well, guess what? A big, huge, ginormous shout out for the LibTech art director, who's been my like handler over these many, many years. Her name is Annette Valheimen. Valhelmen. Sorry, Annette. <laughs> and she has been the art director for like 20 years. Did you know that? That the art director for LibTech is like a total badass lady? I didn't know. She surfs and she rips and she's great and she's awesome and she's very talented. And she's just quietly does the art direction for like the freaking sickest art snowboard brand in the planet. So... And of course, Barrett Christie. Did I work with like the best ladies? I'm not kidding. Like seriously, Barrett Christie is, I mean, I don't even have to say. She's like total legend, badass, awesome, amazing, capable, also very humble, modest person. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. So I work with some a very powerful yet like, I don't know humble like they're just good at their jobs like they just work hard and are just awesome humans they happen to be women <laughs> but yeah and the, my god I have had I've been lucky because my boss at UW like I said Nancy is great I do photography for this clothing company called Ebbets have you heard of them Ebbets I haven't no flannels and my that one of the owners founders is a woman named Lisa Cooper and she's amazing and she's like my I don't really have bosses because I'm a contractor, so I can't really say I'm my bosses, but they're like my my I call them my handlers. Like I'm some <laughs> kind of like a like an agent in the field. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm like Jack Ryan <laughs> or La Femme Nikita. That's better. There we go. I'm not a dude. Although you know how it is when I was a kid, like snowboarding was so new. It wasn't like even like a job really for many people yet. So it was just like, you know, there wasn't like a big thing about gender. Well, but I was definitely one of the few girls up on the mountain at the time. And I, of course, you just wore smaller boy clothes. And But, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really think about that kind of thing. In fact, you honestly like kind of like to just dress like, remember, there was like one outfit. Like everyone wore it. It was like three layers of sweatpants and Sorel boots and <laughs> your boards like, duct tape on with like elfkin bindings and you had maybe you know that kind of waffly sort of a thermal shirt with some kind of giant like flannel shirt over it yeah come on you remember this i remember my brothers <laughs> my older brothers and my dad wearing that stuff but i, you know, I, I never wore i think my first jacket um was a West Beach jacket, or even before that, oh, um, my brother fancy. my brother Derek was sponsored by Swag, so I would wear like his old hand-me-downs. Oh, that's awesome! I know you had two older brothers, so you got hand-me-downs like they were cool brothers, <laughs> or are cool brothers. Present tense, so that's not bad. 
No, it wasn't bad at all. No, it was cool. But um, I do say, you know, I I can only speak for myself. You know, I'm not like a, maybe that's a bad thing that I'm not like a big like on a soapbox or anything. But, um, you know, with the talk about equal pay and stuff, I have one sort of very strong belief in something. Mm -hmm. I think man or woman or non-binary or whoever, man, you are just putting a lot on the line being a snowboarder, like professionally. Mm -hmm. And if you go down by just like what you're sacrificing to snowboard, I think women should get paid more. You know, because like everyone's, you know, maybe not going to college to do it and they're risking life and limb. But man, women are like not having kids to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's a real big one. You know, in a best case scenario, what happens to women in snowboarding when they are supported in the same way as their male counterparts? Oh, well. It just makes complete sense to me. Like the sport grows and gets more interesting and new ideas come in and more people are included. And like if you're thinking about like a business, like your market grows. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. I think about like Burton, right? Like Maria Thompson is a pro writer for them with a kid. And I mean, they've like had whole kind of marketing campaigns about, you know, (laughs) like appealing to older women right that still maybe want to keep snowboarding or mm-hmm. like they're going through their midlife crisis they want to try something new and want to do something that makes them feel young again or something i don't know i mean i do know because like that's what i'm going through <laughs> but yeah it just makes sense to me my god and um i mean we're so lucky because i mean there's so many things happening in our culture right now in the world that opening up people's minds to you know it seems so like obvious to me I don't even understand why it's like a thing like you have talented people that are passionate about something and they have a message they want to convey and are going to be a spokesperson for your brand like why wouldn't you want to pay them for doing a good job Mm -hmm. like if it's a man or a woman or I don't but yeah anyways I just I don't understand like why it's so hard but I think, honestly, there's, you know, and I feel like men are, especially like white men, are very threatened, right? Like, there's kind of an old boys club that runs a lot of the upper positions. And my God, like, the the ceiling is crashing down on a lot of dudes that have just always been in that place of the top for so long, you know? So it's really going to take, like those men to be like you know people call them allies you know but like ambassadors for that change to happen like it has to happen from that direction and then share the space with women at in top level jobs like making the decisions like that's really the only way mm-hmm. in fact barrett christie talked about it quite a bit on um in jerome tannen's like live kind of q a she wasn't like in the book even i don't even know why because she's like probably one of the most like seriously influential women in snowboarding but she was just like in the audience and uh they were like "Eh, barrett maybe you should be like on the (laughs) answering some of these questions and she was and she talked about it too and yeah just women need to kind of just be i don't know more uh, accepted into the roles of decision making from 
the top, you know, it's like, just that kind of makes sense to me. But mm-hmm. like I said, I am just can talk about my own brain and I'm not sitting reading like market reports or like, but it all comes back to like, well, women are just like this tiny slice of the pie, you know, so all the marketing money has to go to the dudes, but that's like perpetuating this problem, right? So it's kind of like the chicken or the egg, right? Because they're like, well, we can't put money into girls because they don't like their market share is so much smaller than the men. But at the same time, it's like you got to market stuff to grow it. So, but you know, chicken or the egg. But either way, it seems smart just to have some more voices, or maybe not too many cooks in the kitchen. I don't know. I just one then the token female. Just kidding. I'm gonna get in trouble for that. But either way, there should be one. Or two, or many, or half and half, or more. (laughs) I feel like uh, exclusivity is never the answer. Right. There you go. I know. Can you put that in my voice? You said you can edit these. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'm that good at editing. (laughs) You do have a nice voice for podcasts. You know who else said that? Who? Is Pete Pete Iverson. Oh. Yeah, and I was like, him? that is such a nice thing to say. Oh, well, you do. I feel like I'm talking to, like, my therapist or something. It's nice. It's very calming. <laughs> you put people at ease. You have the soothing well, thank voice. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. But, yeah. But, yeah. We got to have ladies running. Run. I mean, we got a vice president. Mm-hmm. Kamala Harris, so that's great. We're, we're moving. We're moving in the right direction. We're moving in the right direction. What would you tell girls or women listening to this who might be interested in getting into snowboard, getting into the snowboard industry? I would say just like kind of, you know, I just would say if you love it, do it regardless. But if you like have something interesting like a message or something you stand for or like a style that you just really want to share or you know like use it as a like a platform to be to express yourself you know Mm -hmm. and then I think you can't really go wrong but then of course you know I mean I'm not like the best person to ask because I don't even have TikTok (laughs) (laughs) it comes down to TikTok it comes down to fucking TikTok in like (laughs) Social media. I mean, that's the, and just being able to constantly have, find ways that are interesting to share what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit, you could like not even be like that good of a snowboarder, but be really good at other things and like get a million followers because, you know, you have like an Aussie or you like are really good at putting your face in bread. And then you also happen to snowboard and be pretty good at it. And then, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like about, it's, a, it's so much more complicated now. <laughs> Before, uh, but it, it's more complicated, but it's more accessible. Like, again, it's just like even more so than ever before. Like, mm-hmm. you have free ways to interact with the whole entire planet. And at all hours of the day. It's like overwhelming. I'm like about to cancel like even my Facebook. It's just too much. Move to the woods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know Jesse doesn't want to move to the woods, so. <laughs> he likes the city. Yeah, he likes a city. He's a city guy now. Maybe it's because he grew up in 
Alaska. Well, you know, <laughs> Pika, that does it for my questions. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? You know, Jesse was always kind of in charge of like who rode for the videos, the Think Tank movies. And it wasn't, it was very organic. Like he really wanted the people who just like, like I was saying, had a message that were interesting, that were trying to push the envelope in some way. And Jess Kimura and Desiree Melanson, holy shit. Like, <laughs> I can't think of like two more incredible women who are just such pioneers and completely just fearless. I mean, but also they do have fears, but just could overcome their fears, right? And then just go for broke. And, um, you know, I never even thought of them as like, oh, women in the videos, right? Like they were just a part of the crew in every way. Like I, we never talked about it. Like, oh, like, oh, it's cool that you're a woman filmer or anything. Like we were just all a part of the same crew. It was great. I mean, how special is that? You know, it was pretty much the best ever. And I mean, even all through Think Tank movies, there were a lot of women that put their, their part of their energy into it, right? Like Bina and Stacy, and I guess that's it. But Desiree, man, she really like was a part of a lot of Think Tank movies and she like huge props to her. And yeah, of course, Jess, and she's been through so much and she keeps on, they both are, they're, they're, they should be the ones in charge. It was so funny because in that interview with Jerome Tannum, you know, um, Desiree was like, you want me to be in charge? <laughs> Cause she can get so, so wild, but yeah, she'd be perfect. <laughs> Cause she's so talented. She's like an amazing artist and she knows, she knows what she's doing, but yeah. Seriously, I love that, that over the years, like my life has been touched in ways that are kind of undefinable, but special by women. I feel lucky about that. And men, and my God, men have, like have supported, um, like mentoring me. God, I'm pretty darn lucky. Like not everyone, actually, Jesse basically just needed a filmer. I was like his personal filmer, but it was great. It was a good team. He needed a filmer and I wanted to get better at filming after my Brad Kramer debacle. So <laughs> it was awesome. So we really, yeah, it was great. It was fun. God, I can't tell you how, yeah, very grateful. A lot of very awesome women. Of course, there's so many more. Like nowadays, there's so many awesome women snowboarders. Nirvana and Naima and Jill Perkins and just... Man, the list goes on and on and on and on. It's like, and I've always been a fan of Dangy. She's wild and crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. Good people. I'm, of course, not mentioning like a million other people, but you, you know, you know who they are. You can support local grassroots journalism at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine you can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine crude conversations is written hosted and produced by me cody liska for crude magazine music was produced by alcota beats